Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I'm the pastor of Lighthouse Church North County, and this is our podcast. Wherever you are and however you are listening, I want to say thank you for tuning in to what we are teaching at Lighthouse. Our desire is that these messages would help you to fulfill your God-given potential. If this message impacts you, share it with someone you know. We are on this journey together, becoming more like Jesus, one day and one step at a time. Now here's today's message. We hope it blesses you. We are continuing with this new series that we began last Sunday. The name of that series is Open Door. Can y'all say Open Door? I want to go right into the text today in the interest of time. Join me in Numbers 20. At any time your pastor or a preacher says in the interest of time, that is because they've got a lot to say and a little bit of time to say that in. So go with me to Numbers chapter 20, and I am going to read verses 1 through 13. While you pull that up, I just want to give you a preface here. My preface is simply this. I teach the Bible heavily when I preach. I am a Bible teacher. I hope that is okay with you. If you do not like the amount of Bible teaching that I do when I preach, you're just going to have to start getting used to it (laughs) because that's just my style and that's just my flow. But another reason why there is so much Bible teaching in my sermons is because as a nation, uh, we are getting further and further away from knowledge of the Word of God. There used to be a time and place, maybe in the 50s and 60s, you could say Jonah, you could say David, and they'd know who you were talking about. Your neighbors would have general understanding of these names that you just dropped. Today, people just do not know the Bible stories like they used to know the Bible stories. And so every time I preach, I will dive into the texts to make sure that you are learning the Word of God because we can be many things as a church, but one thing we cannot be is Bible illiterate. We would be failing. We would be disappointing ourselves if we are teaching self-help and not the scriptures. We're not here for self-help. We're here for the word of God. It's the word of God that's powerful. It's the word of God that's quick and sharper than any two-edged sword. Y'all tracking with me so far, Lighthouse Church? All right, so a lot of Bible. And again, welcome in online audience. We're excited to dive in. Numbers 20, verses 1 through 13. In the first month... The whole Israelite community arrived at the desert of Zin, and they stayed at Kadesh. There Miriam died and was buried. Now there was no water for the community, and the people gathered in opposition to Moses and Aaron. They quarreled with Moses and said, If only we had died when our brothers fell dead before the Lord. That's kind of wild. They said, If only we had died like our brothers died. Why did you bring the Lord's community into this wilderness that we and our livestock should die here? Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to this terrible place? It has no grain or figs, grapevines or pomegranates, and there is no water to drink. Moses and Aaron went from the assembly to the entrance of the tent of meeting, and they fell face down, and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. The Lord said this to Moses, take your staff. And you and your brother Aaron gather the assembly. Speak to that rock before their eyes, and it will pour out its water. You will bring water out of the rock for the communities so they and their livestock can drink. Anyone ever seen water come out of a rock? No, I didn't think so. But yet God was getting ready to do this miracle for them. So Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence just as he commanded him. He and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock, and Moses said to them, Listen, you rebels. Moses was not in a good mood. He was not playing. He was standing on business that morning. He said, Listen, you rebels. Must we bring you out of this rock? 
I'm sorry, must we bring you water out of this rock? Then Moses raised his arms and he struck the rock twice with his staff. Water gushed out and the community and their livestock drank. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, catch this, God's not happy. The Lord said, because you did not trust me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land that I gave them. These were the waters of Meribah where the Israelites quarreled with the Lord and where he was proved holy among them. For the next few moments, I want to talk to you on this thought that the Lord has impressed on my heart, and it's simply entitled, You've Got the Wrong Keys. You've Got the Wrong Keys. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness and for your grace. We thank you, Lord God, because your presence is here and you are about to speak to us. And Lord God, we know that your word is holy. It's powerful. It's going to deposit some things into our hearts that are going to produce fruit, that are going to lead us, Lord God, into the life that you are calling us into. I pray, Father, as I speak to this audience, would you speak to every individual? As I speak corporately, would you speak uniquely? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Clap your hands, everybody, one last time. You may be seated. Let's talk about you've got the wrong keys. I want you to get a feeling in the pit of your stomach right now, okay? Imagine it is the morning, and the night before, you have done everything you could do to make sure that you had a successful morning. You have already set aside your lunch for the day the night before. You got your clothes ready for the, 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 what you would wear that day. You made all the preparations so that you would have a successful morning. Because it's January, you even got a gym bag because new year, new you. You got your gym bag. You're going to the gym right after work. So you got your gym bag. You got your work bag. You got everything you need. You got your food. And you even got up a little early. You got a pep in your step. It's about to be your day. But there's just one problem. You can't find your keys. And you ain't got a backup either. And now you're running around the house and you're lifting up the cushions in the couch and you are yelling at your spouse and you are yelling at your kids and kicking the dog and doing all kinds of a show inside the house because you can't find your keys. <laughs> it's not your wife's keys, not your kids' keys. It's not their fault you lost your keys. You guys understand that feeling that I'm talking about? That's not a good feeling, is it? When you're trying to get somewhere and you can't find your keys. Why? Because you can't open the doors that need to be opened if you don't have those keys. You need those keys. And it doesn't matter how well you prepared and how much effort you put in to win your morning. You are going to win your morning by preparing the night before. Baby, if you don't find your keys, you're not going very far. And I want you to hang on to that feeling in your stomach while I also simultaneously tell you that today, I want to give you some keys that you need that you didn't know that you needed. And as we kick off this series, Open Door, we started last week, but we're still at the beginning. In our second week, there are some keys you need to have. There are some keys that you don't have. And because you don't have these keys, you're not able to open the doors that God is wanting to open in front of you. Is that all right, everybody? So let's dive into Numbers chapter 20. Numbers chapter 20 is an interesting passage of Scripture because it is restarting the story of Israel. Can you say restart? Let me explain that and give you the context of what's going on. In order to understand that the story is restarting, we need to understand where Israel is coming from. Israel had been in Egypt for a period of 430 years. They began a 430-year time in Egypt 
due to sojourning. And I know you're not familiar with that word sojourn, but basically what it means is there was a famine in the land where Israel lived, but there was food in Egypt. So what would happen in this time is they would leave the land of famine and sojourn in the land of food until the land would be healed and it would produce enough food for them to come back again. Israel sojourns in Egypt, and when they sojourn in Egypt, um, they begin to grow. And as they begin to grow, it begins to be a bit of a problem for the Egyptians. See, the Bible describes that the amount of Israelis, the amount of Hebrew people in Egypt was outnumbering the amount of Egyptians. The Pharaoh at that time did not have any respect for the Israeli people, and he thought he had an opportunity. He said, if you want to continue to live on our land and eat our food, you need to become our labor. So they were forced into slavery. Eventually, this was probably just come work for us. And then eventually, the conditions went from being a laborer to that of being a slave. And even if they wanted to leave, Pharaoh would not let them go. So Israel was now slaves in Egypt. Now, God would raise up a young man by the name of Moses. He would raise him up and he would tell them, you were to go back into Egypt and tell Pharaoh, let my people go. And he did this when Moses was at the young, ripe age of 80 years old. 80 years old. So if you're like 40 years old and complain about your back, be quiet, okay? <laughs> Just stop. You see, Moses has spent the first 40 years of his life in Egypt, and he spent the next 40 years of his life wandering in the wilderness. And then at 80 years old, God says, I want you to go back to where you're from. I want you to go back to Egypt, and you're going to tell Pharaoh, let my people go, or there's going to be some consequences to pay. And Pharaoh refused to let the, all of Israel go, so the consequences came. And after a series of plagues came, finally Pharaoh said, you can go. And off Israel goes. Now, Israel wasn't just leaving Egypt, but they were on their way to a promised land. Can you all say promised land? Now, the promised land was the land of Canaan or which is present-day Israel. And God said, I'm leading you out of Egypt. I'm bringing you into your own land. Now, this was a trip that should have at most taken them two months to walk there because at that point in time, they walked. They didn't take trains, Uber, bus. None of that existed. So they would have to walk for almost two months to get there. And uh, instead of walking that two-month journey, they wandered for 40 years. Talk about getting lost. 40 years in order to get there. Now, I say all of that because what you really need to know about the story of wandering was this. While Egypt, while Israel was wandering in the wilderness, the reason God did not allow them to enter into the promised land is because they weren't ready to enter the promised land. If they were going to enter into the promised land, they had to be, once again, his people, his sons and daughters. The issue was the longer they stayed in Egypt, the more they acted like Egyptians, which meant they were idolaters, which meant they stopped worshiping Jehovah God, their God. I'll just give you a quick reference in the Bible. The Bible says that when Moses and Aaron, once they were in the wilderness, went up to go and pray, the people got a little itchy because Moses wasn't around, so they built a gold cow and they worshiped it. Why? Because they were idolaters. That was their nature. They had a slave nature in the wilderness. So the reason, the overarching reason for why it took 40 years for them to be in the wilderness is simply this. God was trying to prepare them to enter into the promised land. And that meant they had to get rid of their old identity so that they can step into the promised land with their new identity. Does that make sense? So here's the thing that I want you to write down. God used Moses to lead Israel out of Egypt, but God used the wilderness to get Egypt out of Israel. 
You see, they were, they were out of Egypt, but Egypt was still in them. It's like that old adage that says, you can get the girl out of the hood, but you can't get the hood out of the girl. Some of y'all here this morning, praise the Lord, we're going to pray for you. <laughs> You're saved, but you're not that saved. Sit in my seat and I'll cut you. So, so God had to get Egypt out of Israel. And so the reason I say all of that and I bring us back to Numbers 20 is they wandered for 40 years. But in 37 of those 40 years, here's what happens. They are stuck wandering in Kadesh. So it's not like they're wandering up and down this whole Middle Eastern region. But they get to this region of Kadesh, and they stay there for 37 years. And do you want to know what God is doing in those 37 years? He's killing off a generation of Hebrews. If you're wondering why is God doing that, well, because when God was getting ready to lead them into the promised land, three years prior to that, Moses sent spies, Joshua, Caleb, 10 other people who were unnamed and said, go check out the promised land so we can have a plan of attack. We're going to go and enter into the promised land. And when they came back, they said, can't do it. Too big. Those guys, we just ain't no way. It ain't not going to happen, Moses. And it wasn't just that they didn't have unbelief, but then they began to sow unbelief into the people of Israel. The, the people of Israel bought into the lie rather than buying into the word of God. That's a whole message, not for today. But how many of you know, know, how many know that the word that you agree with matters? You can either make an agreement with the truth of God's word or an agreement with the lie of the devil. The choice is yours. What, the, the, I'll tell you what. The thing that, that will actually win is whatever you agree with. So you choose what wins in your life. The word of the Lord or the word of your adversary. Whatever you agree with is what's going to happen. Okay, commercial over. Let's get back to the story. So here in this story... We see that for 37 years, God is killing off a generation that did not believe. God said, since you don't trust me to lead you into the promised land, every one of you, all of the, the generation here in the wilderness, you all are going to die, and it's your sons and your daughters that are going to walk into the promised land. And so for 37 years, there's nothing happening. So when you read your Bible, just know that when you get to the wilderness and you read about what's happening in the wilderness, you are reading three years of activity, and then for about 37 years, you get nothing. But that doesn't mean God's not doing anything. How many of us sometimes what seems like silence is God moving in the background? Is God shifting things for you? And so though there's nothing happening in the, on the text of your pages, what God is doing is he is preparing his people by killing off an old generation. And that speaks to the middle. Everybody say the middle. So Kadesh, where they were wandering for 37 years, Kadesh is the place where we are in the middle of where we used to be and where we're supposed to be. Kadesh is the place where, in the, where we are in the middle of where we used to be and where we are supposed to be. Now, let me ask you this question. How many of you thank God that you are not who you used to be? Come on. Make some noise if you thank God that you are not who you used to be. Thank you. And I praise God for that. But there's also some of us that are like, but I'm also not where I'm supposed to be. How many know that God will bring you out, but he also brings you to something? And if you get brought out of something, but you're not brought to something, then you get stuck in Kadesh, which, mean, which means you get stuck in the middle. And in the middle is where they were. And then the Bible says that once you get to Numbers 20, now we get this, this line where it says, it opens up with verse 1 and says, and Miriam dies in Kadesh. 
That's important because when Israel left Egypt and when they crossed the Red Sea and they were now beginning their journey to the promised land, the Bible says that Miriam got out in front of everybody. She broke out her tambourine and she started praising God like we used to do in the old churches we came from, you know. She's singing and, and, and doing all of that and she represents a generation that had just been freed. But then when she dies, she represents a generation that has now passed away. And now God is getting ready to lead a new generation. Everybody say he's getting ready to do a new thing. He's getting ready to lead a new generation into the promised land. You see, the old generation couldn't get there because the old generation made an agreement with a lie. And so now what he's got to do is, you see, God is faithful to his word. Hear me, moms and dads in this room. If you don't do the thing that God is telling you to do, he will bypass you and go to your children. I love you all. I'm glad to be your pastor. But understand that the word, the, the God's going to accomplish his word. In, in, my, in my 43 years of being old, I have seen so many times when God spoke to me to do something, and when I didn't act on it, I'd see him do it through my neighbor. And then I'd look at God and say, I thought that was for me. And he's like, it was for you, but you didn't do it, so I went to the next. But one thing God is not bound by is he ain't bound by your unbelief. Or your lack of action. He will do what he desires to do because he is God all by himself. Whether you agree with him or don't agree with him, he is going to accomplish his will here on this earth. And what I love about this is he doesn't want to bypass you. What he wants is for you to get involved in what he's doing. He wants you to get in step with what he's doing. He wants you to be on the same page with him, aligned with him in bringing renewal to the city of Vista. Come on, how many want to be a part of what God is doing here on this earth? I want to be a part of what he's doing. So now let's get to the text. So the Bible says they're complaining. They're saying, Moses, there's no water here, Moses. Why did you bring us to Kadesh? And this is, it got so bad that they literally said, oh, that we would die like my uncle that died two years ago. <laughs> That's what they said. I read it just a minute ago. They said, oh, that we would die like those that died before us. You see, they'd rather die than live in the place. Then They'd rather die than live in the middle. And then they went on to say, oh, that we would have died in Egypt. Oh, that we would have stayed in Egypt where at least we had food. You were a slave. Oh, it was better in Egypt. They forgot. They were romanticizing their past. They were thinking they had it better than they really had it. They go before Moses and they're telling him, we need some water. And this is where the story picks up. And the scripture says, and I'm going to read it to you one more time, that the Lord says to Moses, speak to that rock before their eyes and it will pour out its water. And so Moses is being obedient to the Lord and he gets his staff. He always had a staff with him. And he goes to where the rock is and God says, speak to the rock. And Moses gets his staff and smack, he smacks it once and, and smack, he smacks it a second time. And out comes the water and Moses is happy and people are excited because now they have water. The only problem is Moses didn't do what God told him to do. The only problem is Moses was not obedient. And this greatly distressed the Lord. So much so that the very next thing that the Lord told to Moses was, can I just paraphrase this? I hope you're happy, but you're not entering to the promised land now. You must be real proud of yourself, big guy. You smacked the rock. Water came out. You look like a big wonder in front of everybody. But you failed to listen to me. Because I said, speak to that rock. And you struck the rock. In other words, Moses didn't trust the word of the Lord. And you might be wondering, why in the world would Moses do this? Well, I'm glad you asked. In order to know why Moses did this, we have to go all the way back to Exodus chapter 17. I told you I was going to teach you a whole lot of Bible today. We got to go back, 
back to Exodus chapter 17, where a situation very similar to this actually played out. Let me read it to you. Exodus 17, it'll be up on the screen. The whole Israelite community set out from the desert of sin, traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. So they quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. Sound familiar? Moses replied, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? But the people were thirsty for water there, and they grumbled against Moses, and they said, why did you bring us out of Egypt and and make us and our children and our livestock die of thirst? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, what am I supposed to do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. And the Lord answered Moses, go out in front of the people. Take with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand the staff, which I just talked about, with with which you struck the Nile and go. I will stand there before you by the rock of Horeb. Strike the rock and water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel. Same story, different story, 37 years earlier. The same thing happened with the previous generation that is happening with the next generation. They're in the exact same predicament. But this time, God did not say to strike the rock. This time, God said, speak to the rock. But because Moses didn't listen to to the word of the Lord, the Lord would not let him enter into the promised land. Now I'm ready to preach because this story is packed with so much truth. Here's the first thing that I want you to write down. You cannot open new doors with old keys. You cannot open new doors with old keys. Yes, Israel is in the exact same predicament that it was before. But what God was getting ready to do through Moses was take him from one season into the new season. And God was getting ready to do a new thing. Everybody say a new thing. And when God was getting ready to do a new thing, Moses reverted back to old methods. You see, here's the deal. Old methods don't open up new doors. Your old habits aren't going to produce new results. And the reason the old way of doing things won't work in the new season that God is leading you into is because God is never in the old. He is always in the new. Why is that? Because God is eternally present, which means he's always in the now, not the then. He's always in the now, not the past. And when you continue to do things, the old way of doing things, you are not doing things the the way that God is asking you to do things. Because when God is asking you to do the new thing, new things require new routines. New things require new habits. New things require new keys. Think about that practically for a second. You have to remain in step with God. And when you remain in step with God, you're always going to be present with him. You tracking with me so far? Now, if you're wondering, okay, Pastor Josh, how do I stay in step with God? Let me give you that key right now. I told you I was going to give you a handful of keys this morning. Here's one key that's going to help you stay in step with God. You got to stop being a follower of Jesus and start being a disciple of Jesus. You got to stop being a follower of Jesus and start being a disciple of Jesus. Now, you might be thinking, Pastor Josh, isn't that just a play on words? It is absolutely not. Because Jesus never commanded his disciples, go and make followers. No, no, no. What did he say? Go and make disciples. You see, a follower is going to come up to church on Sunday. They're going to, a follower is going to come to church on Sunday, but they're not going to get involved with God is doing Monday through Saturday. A a, a follower is going to come and check the box, but... 
A follower is not going to come to growth track. Why would I want to do that? A follower is going to come to church on Sunday, but a follower ain't going to get involved in a connect group. I'm not trying to do I like my isolation. I like being alone. Don't, don't be asking too much of me, Pastor Josh. But, but if you fail to be a disciple of Jesus, you're going to fail to be in step with him. And when you're not in step with him, you're going to miss out on the new thing. You see, we've always been commanded to grow in our relationship with Christ. And when we grow with him, we take on new disciplines, and new disciplines are going to bring us to new doors. And and Paul said it to the Corinthian church very sternly. I'm going to read one passage of Scripture where Paul says this to the crowd he, he was writing to. He says, brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. Paul was saying, I tried to feed you with meat and you still wanted your mama's bottle. We got a lot of Christians that are still drinking from the bottle of the milk of the word. And I believe the Lord wants to take us into the meat. And so, and so many of us are fasting and we can't have meat. I want some meat right now. I could use some meat right now. How about on the 28th, we all go meet up at that Brazilian place when our fast is over, have all the meat we can eat. I love those places. I've digressed. But Paul was saying this. He was saying, you're supposed to be maturing in your faith and you're not. I want, to take, I want to talk to you about the deeper things of God's word, but I can't because you're still on the milk of the word of God. In other words, you're still wandering in the same place you've been at in the last five years, 10 years, 15 years. How long have you been a Christian and still been dealing with that same issue? That's called Kadesh. That's called wandering. And can I just hit you with the hard truth right now? You cannot wander out of wandering. You cannot wander out of wandering. What does that mean, Pastor Josh? Let me give it to you in layman's term. Can you accidentally get promoted? I don't even know what happened. I was coming late. I wasn't finishing my projects on time. Never filed my reports. I accidentally got promoted. Praise Lord. Look at what he did. Absolutely not. It takes intention. And so you can't advance without intention. You all want another example? You don't accidentally get a six-pack. You don't wake up one morning and like, look what the Lord has done. <laughs> and I ate like a bacon western cheeseburger last night, and there it is. That's not how it happens. Like, like you get that in the natural, right? We get that with something on the natural. It's the same with the spiritual lighthouse church. Some of you are like, I'm in the same place with God. And he's like, I wonder why. I don't feel my breakthrough. I wonder why. Now, he's a good father. He draws us. He compels us. He does that out of love. But the truth is you cannot wander yourself out of wandering. If you're feeling like I need some direction, I got great news for you. You can go to Growth Track on Monday the 22nd, and we can help you identify the spiritual gifts that God has given you. We will help you identify your leadership style, your personality type, and how you can use those things to make a difference in the kingdom of God. Come on, how many want to make a difference in the kingdom of God? How many y'all want to stop wandering, be intentional with what God is doing? I'm coming to a close now. I want you to look at a few more things here in the story between Exodus and Numbers and why this went south for Moses. Who? For so long was doing so well. But man, he botched it in Numbers, 12, in Numbers 20. Exodus 17. I'm just going to read this passage of scripture. The Lord speaking to Moses. He said, I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock and water will come out. That was Exodus. That was the first time. Here in Numbers, I want you to listen. And I've highlighted. I want you to see Moses' tone. Moses gets out in front of me. He says, listen, you rebels. 
Must we bring you water out of this rock? We. Hold on a second, Moses. You have no power to get water out of that rock. What are you talking about, we? Wait a second, Moses. I know you're close to God, but you can't do this all by yourself. And what was happening here was Moses was trying to God, I got this. Don't worry about this. I got that. I know what you did last time, so let me get in front of this crowd and let me do it. So the word of the Lord spoke to Moses at the tent of meeting, but then when, the Lord, but then when Moses left the tent of meeting, he left the word of the Lord behind him. And instead of doing it God's way, he did it his way. Instead of following and hearing what the Lord was calling him to do, he started doing it his way. And so even though everything seemed very similar in that moment, and I want you to get this Lighthouse Church, when things are the same but they are different, it is because you are standing in front of a new door. What's going to make a difference is which keys do you reach for? The new key or the old key? Because what happens is many of us stand in front of these situations and these doors that are like, I've seen this before. And Moses in this moment said, I've seen this before. Give me my staff. And God said, speak to the rock. Yeah, but it worked last time. I'm trying to do a new thing. Yeah, but it was really cool last time. It was dramatic. I mean, I struck at the water. Come on, let's, let's run it back one more time. And God is saying, it's a new door, but it requires a new key. And as long as you keep doing the old thing, you're going to keep getting the old thing. Some of y'all want the new thing by doing the old thing. It's not going to work. If you didn't date your wife in 2023 and you expect your marriage to thrive in 2024, do things differently. Our marriage is going to be better. Why? Because you thought it would get better or because you did stuff to make it better. Do the new thing. And so Moses has to make a decision here. What am I going to do? Am I going to be obedient to the voice of God and do the new thing? Or am I going to keep on doing what I know to do? And too many of us rely on what we know to do miss out on the door that God is trying to open up for us. You see, every time we want to do it our way, we are saying to God, we can do it without him. I don't need you, God. I got this. Stay there in heaven. Go back to what you were doing. Let me take care of this. And here we go. I got this. Moses was so full of pride and arrogance that he got in front of the people and started talking about him instead of talking about God. And we do this so many times when we make much of ourselves and we, when we should be making much about Jesus. We do this when we make much about what we've been through and we should be making this much about the God who was in heaven who sent his only begotten son to come into this world to die in our place. And that's not the end of our message. He died so that he could take away all of our sins and when they buried him in a tomb it was a borrowed tomb because he wouldn't need it very long because in three days he got back up again and when Jesus rose up he rose up with all power and all authority in his hands and he is now seated on the throne up in heaven listen to me lighthouse church we got to start making much about him we got to start making much about this story we got to start making much about what he's done for us got to drop the self-help Christianity that only placates your emotions and does nothing for your soul. God's trying to do a new thing, Lighthouse Church. He wants to open up new doors. It's tragic because when Moses failed to do it that way, the Lord said, you're not going into the promised land. And Moses' death is tragic because what the Lord allowed him to do was 
I'll let you climb up the mountain and from a distance you can see the promised land but you're not going and God used Joshua to fulfill the word because like I said a minute ago he's going to fulfill his word he will do what he sets out to do the word of God will never return to him void listen to me parents if God said he's going to save your child believe it if God said he's going to break the addictions over your family members believe it if God said he's going to do things remember if he's whispering to you in private and the enemy is shouting at you in public make an agreement with the still small voice of God that I'm going to cling on to the word of God that he's going to accomplish everything that he said that he's going to do walk in faith I don't care if the enemy's yelling at me. I got a God who's talking to me. I don't care if there are demons that are shouting at me. I've got a God who's with me. I talked to him this morning. He said I'm the head and not the tail. I talked to him this morning. He said greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I talked to him this morning and I'm in step with him. You see, discipline leads us to this place where we are walking in step with him. And I don't have to walk in fear and I don't have to walk in defeat and I don't have to walk with my head hanging down because I don't look like my classmates and I don't agree with some of the people I work with. You were never meant to fit in, Lighthouse Church. You're a son and daughter of Christ. He called you up. He called you out. I gotta finish this message. Everything that I'm saying there everything that I'm talking about with the life of Christ, you might be thinking, what does that even have to do with this story? Oh, the gospel is all over this story. I don't just see a rock. I see a bloody rock. You see, in Exodus, the Lord commanded Moses to strike the rock with his staff. And the Bible says that the presence of the Lord stood before them at the rock. You see, Jesus is our rock. Jesus is the chief cornerstone that the church is built upon. In Exodus 17, that rock is a type of Jesus that was crucified. The, uh, uh, that rock is a type of Jesus that was struck so that the water of salvation could be poured out over all of Israel. But where Moses got it wrong was Jesus was only struck once. You can't strike Jesus more than once. That's the reason why we love and worship this Savior of ours. Because he only needed one cross to conquer sin. He only needed one grave to conquer death. He only needed one resurrection to give us new life. He doesn't need a second chance to do it. He gets it done the first time. And when Moses came back and struck the rock again, it's inconsistent with the larger gospel narrative. Jesus was struck once to give us new life and he was trying to demonstrate to us that when we put our faith in him we never have to strike the rock again which means if you have received Christ as your Lord and Savior listen to me Lighthouse Church God is for you you have a new nature you are the righteousness of God you're no longer a sinner saved by grace. Yeah, 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 you're that, but no, you're more than that. You are a son and daughter of God. You are a new creature. You are a new creation. All things have become new. Walk in the newness of life now. That's where he's leading you to, to walk in that newness of life. And that, Lighthouse Church, is another key. My prayer today is that you would grab the right keys because your old keys aren't going to open the new doors that God is getting ready for you to walk through in 2024. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray over this church right now. If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others 
or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.